0: Welcome to the Plus X Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFR Ratings, Pete, on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeopardyT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Injuries hit last week again. It was Jack Steele. Now, the interesting thing about Steele in that game is that, you know, Higgins was really unfortunate timing. Well, fortunate timing for Steele because... You know, just before Steele goes off without shoulder injury, Jack Higgins was subbed out of the game. So he had, I think, a copped a knock early, maybe late in the first quarter, or whatever. But, it, you know, he was there getting assessed, and, you know, half an hour later he feels a little bit sick, goes off. Now, the, the interesting part about that is if he doesn't feel sick, you know, for another five minutes or so, Steele's then subbed out of that game. So it's really interesting that, you know, he went off that shoulder and obviously he was struggling. He was carrying that shoulder. And he was out, out for a few weeks. So it's just the timing there. If Higgins was a few minutes later, Steele subbed out of that game. And then you only finished, I think it was just less than 40 points there. So really interesting last week. And Steel, what a brave effort from Jack Steele, though. Gets on. I think he has nine disposals in that third quarter as well. Gets up to a quite a reasonable score, but he's out injured now. So injuries once again hit the game, Jet.
1: Yes, it's hit me um, and many others. So interesting ploy. Uh, if I was ever going to pick a primo to be injured... Dare I say it? Um, it would have been someone with a 12 buy, and I'm, so I'm seeing it as a positive. Um, and I'm going to get creative with trades this week. It's it's definitely no more, you know, playing sailing and, and and staying with the uh, with the crowd. I'm going to go on a tangent, and I predict a few coaches will as well.
0: Okay, the buy period is closing in. Managing the balance is quite critical right now. Name the biggest challenge facing your squad.
1: Finding, yeah, um, fielding players and rookies now. I think our rookie pile is getting thinner and thinner each week, and we're approaching the buys. And I've still got a lot of uh, a lot to sort out. So that's really the biggest challenge, mate. Is is prepping for the buys, getting a balanced squad, um, and yeah, really hoping for the best. And like, if there's no rooks available, it's harder to make these upgrades, isn't it?
0: Yeah, in, in the uh, first week of the buys, I'm actually uh, still four players short. So interesting how my season has played out and, and got me to this point. But yeah, I'm actually still four players short. So how's your structure going at the moment?
1: Oh, uh, all over the all over the place at the minute. Um, I've got a lot of round twelve buy players, um, so still will go to a thirteen or fourteen this week. But it's, yeah, it's the bench. So I've still got a Driscoll, couldn't trade him last week. He's there. He's got to go. Um, you know, Jackson Mead and, and Sam Skinner and, and Mitch Owens from, still from Way on One. So they're pretty much all must trades. Um, and, yeah, like I said, I can only really go to other Brooks And if there's none available, I've got a bit of an issue, don't I?
0: Yeah, it's interesting at this stage as well is that, you know, what we have available coming out at a, at a basement price is really thin. Even some of those players that played last week, they're really thin. Just on Mitch Owens, he's a some chance to come back and play this week. But Hunter Clark is on the radar to return also for St Kilda as well. So obviously Jack Steele does miss uh, several weeks there with that shoulder concern. And that brings in that question, you know, is Brad Crouch now the guy? And Seb Ross, he, remember a few years ago, he was actually the guy who could win a stack of balls. So mm. is, is it actually Seb Ross' season, which would be a remarkable throwback to uh, quite a few years ago? But he's actually getting significant periods of time through that midfield, and he's been really good. The interesting part about St Kilda last week, is that they were struggling and still goes off and plays forward in that third quarter and obviously picks up those disposals. But the Saints, that's when they made their comeback. Not saying that you know it's not it's an anti-steel type of comment, but they were actually really good. So uh, come back and win the game against Geelong. So it's really interesting. And, and Ross is playing important minutes there as well. So and Gresham is he is he a chance now to take up those minutes that he was pretty much going to lose? So. Uh, It's quite interesting, but yeah, Mitchell and some chance this week. Jack Bytel on the radar as well, but those two could be short leashes. But yeah, um, looking at Hunter Clark to come back there, and you know he's going to come back into that midfield, which he has played in the past. So your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think Hunter Clark probably well anticipating it come through the VFL um in the short term, but yeah, he. He was on my radar pre-round one because he got a lot of inside mid-time. So whether they protect him and how his shoulder is up and play more on the outside, we'll, we'll soon find out. But, um, yeah, it might be a slow build-up for, um, for Clarkey And, yeah, but Gresham Ross, I think Brad Crouch, really his stocks go up quite considerably. Um, and that's... The left field move, I'm sort of talking about those um, anticipating those uh, big scorers. And has definitely got a high ceiling.
0: Yeah, definitely so. Okay, a changing coach does open up the possibility in changing roles. So your first thoughts there on JWS G- as in Leon Cameron is now no longer coach?
1: Well, if I was taking the reins of, an, of a side in Mark McVay's um, uh, position, you would just try to settle the team as best as you can. So by doing that, you play, and we've said it all year, basically, you play the posi- the players in the positions that they're best at. Um, and if that means you've got an overload of inside mids, well then so be it. Some, some stay out of the team and you keep some competitiveness in, in the side. So I I don't anticipate too many changes, though, in, in the first few weeks. It'll be interesting to see now that Hurdy... Has a voice and gets appointed and and how they, you know, listen to his reasoning and Solomon as well. I think guys like Josh Kelly expect him more around the ball and he's going to be a great buyer this week and if he can afford to get a round 12 player. um, And then, yeah, it's... it's Keneally, I can still see it half forward. Whitfield should be on the wing. I think that's a move they'll make. I hope they make. Um, But Keneally, half forward will, will probably be the be the salty part of it, um, that won't get corrected.
0: Okay, so this is my feeling is what's going to happen. I think Mark McVay and Dean Solomon comes in there as well, and James Hurd has been announced as uh, helping out with the coaching staff as well. I think that coaching group is actually all in. They're pushing all their chips in the middle of the table for the remainder of the season. You know, they could be on the radar to take over on a permanent basis for next year. But the significant part part, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think this is too much of a fluid situation as per what could happen like with Collingwood last year where, you know, Dugowie just goes in that midfield and they just racks up as many disposals as possible. What we need is certainty as fantasy coaches and I think we're going to get that the next first few weeks out of uh, this coaching group from the Giants. So it's a bit of a blank canvas, but I think what we can do is put all those players in a position where we've previously thought they would play, and I think that's pretty solid. So this coaching group is all in. I expect actually a strong finish to the season from the Giants. The list is actually pretty healthy, and they've got quality. So I think from Braden and Pruce's point of view, I don't see any issues there. It'll be interesting to see if they go back to the Flynn, the dual-ruck set-up combo. Um, Either's fine for Pruce. He can still score. So no issues there for me. Uh, Cornelia, oh, you know, there's some chance he goes back into that midfield as well. Uh, Whitfield, uh, wing or halfback, that's what we need. We need him behind the ball going forward, not the other way around. So hopefully that plays out from our perspective. Uh, Tom Green has some ownership there in uh, top band catches there as well. So I expect he's an extractor and he's like a, a, the ball in that midfield. So I think he's... Um, and he was actually really good against Cripps on uh, the weekend, so uh, he should maintain his role. And Tim Taranto would love to see him just on a more permanent basis in that midfield. Now, what we see with like a, a Melbourne-type team, they have a really narrow centre-bound sort of top rotation. Would be fantastic if actually GWS actually finished the season off with that oh, yeah, we have Kelly in there, we have Green in there, we have Taranto in there, and, and potentially Cornelio in there. It's a four or five-top-player rotation. So that will really lock in some numbers. And I would expect, based on if that does play out like that really strong numbers to finish the season. So I wouldn't be giving up on any, any sort of GWS players there. And as far as Whitfield and Cornelio are concerned, it actually can't get any worse yet. So some of those scores <laughs> have been pretty pathetic recently. But that's not the player's fault. You know, Whitfield's been playing ahead of the ball, and he's you know, yes, they pretty much hit the scoreboard to keep the scores going uh, along quite nicely. And that's the same as Cornelio. So um, my my thinking is, like, they're going to drop a stack in salary, which is quite interesting. And people might be fearful that, you know, they're going to have to actually upgrade these types of players. But my thinking is, it can't get any worse. So there is only upside here. You know, if it gets any worse, then obviously we have to make a move. but. I've got a feeling that, you know, I would actually say a handful of weeks for both of those players, you know, Canelio and Whitfield, both of those, because they're going to drop it again, drop a stack in salary. It can't get any worse. So thoughts on that, Joe?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot in the first week. You know, if there's clear role change, it's, it's going to be pretty obvious. Um, and against West Coast, too, it could be a bit of a bloodbath, so... Um, yeah, let's just wait and see. I don't think trading any of the players is, is wise. If I was going to trade in one, it would definitely be Josh Kelly. Um, I wouldn't hesitate doing that at all. I think he's going to really kick on this second half of the year.
0: Yeah, that's the interesting part about that as well, as the opponent for JWS this week. So it is West Coast, and West Coast giving up a stack of forwards. so it, all of a sudden it could be a bit of a false dawn. So if Canelio and even Whitfield, if they do play forward again, they might actually hit the scores, but that actually might play out to be a bit of a false dawn. So it's specifically rolls. I, I don't even care about score this week. It's actually actually about rolls. Yeah, Now, yeah, the thing is, with that game as well, is that the weather forecast is actually quite poor in Sydney, so hopefully it just uh, avoids game time on Sunday and they can get through a pretty dry game but yeah that's that's pretty poor conditions ahead for that game there as well and that's all also for the Collingwood Fremantle game there as well so we seen Brayshaw last week. He struggled in the wet. Obviously, a, a pretty tough matchup against a strong Gold Coast team. But, you know, Fremantle are going to face that again this week, potentially in Perth. So, you know, whether playing a part there in types of uh, players, especially owned players. But yeah, but back to GWS, you know, there, there's a few things that we need to filter in. But significantly, I'm, I'm just removing scores. I don't even care what they score. And, and I might actually do a double review on this game. So I'll watch it live. And I might actually go back and look at the review, just so we can get sort of really a strong of, of where they think certain players will play. If I start to notice a few things are actually out of order compared to what we've seen previously under Leon Cameron. So uh, much interest ahead to see what happens with JWS. Uh, so let's get on to the next point there, Jet. So the current landscape of the top 25 is quite interesting. So um, ownership started to thin out through the mids the last couple of weeks. So just a quick couple of thoughts from you, and then I'm going to give you some data points, Jet.
1: Yeah, look, you, the. <laughs> It's getting tighter and tighter. That's what I feel like. I feel like those that started well this season have sort of come back to planet Earth a bit and, and drop rank, so that margin is tighter and tighter. We spoke about captains last week and how important picking a decent captain is. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting how it plays out and who. Um, this is probably the time of year where. You know, you get injuries and you get role changes, and we're just going to be wary of that. And and some of us who are game enough to take a punt probably need to decline rank.
0: Okay, so just back on the captain, so last week for me was McRae, so I locked in I locked in that VC, so that was a pretty yeah. solid score for me. And how did you go there?
1: I went, yeah, Bailey Smith. So I, I locked in 116.
0: Okay. All right, so it's not so bad. already. so just on those data points from the top 25, so I've just done a little bit of research there as well. So... Uh, as we've talked about previously uh, a few minutes ago, is that you know the man of uh, depth on your bench and, and potential rookies coming in, which seems to be pretty thin at the moment. Okay, so I've gone through the top 25. I'll go through the ownership in a few minutes. But what I did have a look at is uh, how many in that top 25, what number of bench players played on the weekend. So that gives us a bit of a snapshot where everyone sits. So the average was, you know, obviously we've got eight players that can sit on a bench. So the average was 5.4, which is mm. quite interesting. So uh, everyone can go through the teams and see how many players uh, that they had playing in their team from last week um, that were on the bench. So 5.4 is the average. So the teammate number one, Matt's team. So congrats to Matt on your season so far. Hopefully you do well for the remainder of the season. He, he had six players last week. Um uh, one the team ranked number five had four, so really quite thin. Uh, the team ranked 25th had eight, so a full bench, wow. which, which is quite interesting. I got to that to do the double take to see if it was a full bench. <laughs> uh, it jealous. was a full <laughs> bench. So um, my point of view, I had six last week, so that's above average. I'm not too sure what you had, um, because I'm only just doing this off the fly for Jep, so he didn't have time to actually do the research on his team. Um, so yeah 5.4 is the average and yeah um, I had six uh, rank number one had six and uh, the rank number 25 had eight so quite interesting there thoughts on that so one? so yep.
1: I only had two players mate thin, so yeah quite very yeah. thin and hence my concern like I mentioned before so yeah uh, you know I've gone with I feel like I've upgraded to the appropriate um, primos at the time and and haven't traded too poorly it's just, the rookies and, and the, you know, the nature of each one and, and being in our the team were injured. I think the O'Driscoll injuries hurt me the most. Mm. Um, really didn't expect that, and he's got around 14 by. But you can't win them all, and away you go, and you take these risks and, and hope it pans out.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting, and it sort of leads back to the start of your season, which has actually been pretty good. We don't really talk about rank, our ranks on the show because we want to make the show about just pure information, our thoughts, you know, removing our t- teams from the um, podcast, which we do get in there every now and again with regards to conversations. But it's really sort of if you go back to you know your first eight weeks, nine weeks, Jeb is that you know, you're know really trying to upgrade, really trying to upgrade, and then all of a sudden, yeah. because rookies have been thin this year, and we spoke about that in pre-season, you know, some of these guys haven't had strong pre-seasons the last couple of years. So it's not just been one year, it's two years' worth of lack of football. So I wonder if that's been playing out a part of... Your um, season, you know, with regards to your choosing a look potentially a 190 type player, basement type player, and in two, three weeks they're actually not playing. So that's put you in a position. Obviously, injuries do play a part with all copped injuries this year. But it's what just wondering if that's actually played a part. You know, some of these players are actually you know in the VFL now, just trying to get match fit and trying to you know, build up their core strength and actually trying to adapt to AFL level. So, uh, just your thoughts on that, whether that's impacted. I was just about to
1: know. share, yeah. So sharing something. I'm looking at my team now before trades, and I've actually only got one first year player in my whole thirty. Mm. So, um, I do try pick the mature age players. You know, a first year player versus Someone in the system two, three years is always a preference, um, but it doesn't always pan out, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually at the other end of this. Is it, you know, and I just talked to
0: Pretty Pot about this. Is that my theory going into the buy period was, you know, potentially we, we, I could see this coming all year. Uh, and my my process thought process was to hold some of the stronger scoring rookie types. So you know, instead of we getting these thirty and forty scores, you know, I want the ones that could score sixty or seventy because you know, I'm, I, I want those higher scoring type rooks. So my theory was, and I did trading Finn Callahan uh, on his first game there a few weeks ago, and uh, my thought obviously he has the first week of the buy, which is okay for me. Um, but I still wanted his scoring strong scoring output. Um, the other one is that I did trade in Josh Ward because I wanted his strong scoring output. Now, you know, injuries hit me again because now Callahan's out until after the bye because he just hurt his shoulder on the weekend, he's out for a few weeks. And now Josh Ward's got concussions. So as much as I can plan out, you know, and this goes back into the Western Australia players and I didn't pick Brace start of the season top and I'll never forget that one. But, you know, you can you can make all the good plans in the world. And I thought that was actually yeah. a pretty, pretty solid plan just to avoid, but obviously for the COVID situation. But, you know, I want those strong scoring rookies and then all of a sudden injury hits. And, you yeah, know, my plans have actually pretty much blown up on that injury report from GWS and Hawthorne today. Although I potentially wasn't going to be playing them on the field, um, it's actually blowing up my trades for this week instantly because of what I wanted to do. So as much as you can have good plans, Jeb, they can be just blown up with injuries straight away.
1: Yeah, and and that's where the luck of the game comes into it a little bit. Um, none of, like I said, I feel like my trades this year have been all pretty good. Maybe bringing in a, a Heaney two weeks ago wasn't the right move, but you can't win them all. And it's not dire straits when you don't trade, but when you get injuries like you've copped, Pretty much all year, um, and then the two rooks, uh, like you just mentioned, it's yeah that just stings when we're so close to the buyers. So I think there's a lot of coaches out there that um, that need you know a forward rook, a mid rook, a deep, you know, whatever position to put their hand up and start playing some games because um, yeah, we uh, we need to get some green dots on our bench. Yeah,
0: specifically I was holding those two just for that reason because I was at. Uh, the way I've structured my team build this year as we're going along throughout each round is that um, I've been able to upgrade pretty pretty much okay. Obviously I had some injury issues which has impacted the trades, but specifically two of those players that I wanted to hold. And you know, pretty much I'm going to be trading both out this week. So interesting the way it plays out. And injuries are part of the game, unfortunately. Alrighty, Jep. So that's not all on that top 25 research. So now what I've gone through and actually looked at how much money each team had in the bank. So this is quite interesting. So while I'm going to go through some of these stats, I wanted you to look up your team and just tell the listeners how much you've got in the bank. Actually, I'll do the same here as well. Um, so mine's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I would made trades and just obviously reversed some of those entry news and I had it left me 137k in the bank. That's post trade this week. Obviously, that's going to change now. But I think I'll end up with a better, you know, 150. Um, let me just hit reverse trades there and see. Um, let's see we'll get get there. So 158k I've got in the bank for this week. So how much you got in the bank
1: this week? yet? Zero. Okay, <laughs> absolute donut. So I, my trades the last two weeks have worked out to zero dollars. So it's actually you, you've emptied the the
0: you've emptied clip along the way. You've just emptying upgrade, emptying upgrade, and all yeah. of a sudden no cash left so thoughts on that
1: well it's okay in a sense where again the the timing of the steel injury isn't the worst for me i'd rather have no money in the bank and have a primo injured than the other way around all the money in the bank for two weeks if you get my drift so effectively one of my i have to upgrade steel to another primo and then the other trade will be to get cash at bank. So like I mentioned O'Driscoll before, and O'Driscoll to Cleary may happen for me depending on teams and and where that lands and my confidence in Cleary, which isn't great, by the way. But, yeah, there's a good potential where I'll have over 200 grand in the bank for my upgrade in round 11, which I want to do. And then round 12 will all be about setting up for the buy and, and setting up for the round 13 uh primo target. Yep. So uh, Jep is uh,
0: cash poor and I'm actually cash healthy going into this week so interesting to see the way that plays out from our trades. We've obviously both got issues to, do, to deal with with regards to the injuries but let's get back onto the top 25. So the average there from the top 25 uh, coaches in the bank is 83.8 thousand Jep. So it's not strong but it's Okay, So uh, Matt's Matt's team ranked number one, so he's got 264k in the bank, which is, he's going to, it looks like, and look, going through most of these teams as well um, throughout this morning and last night or whatever, just doing a a thorough research on what they've got, most teams are pretty much, if we can use that sort of complete sort of word, uh, most teams are complete except for that uh, eighth midfielder. So it looks as though Matt, ranked number one, should be able to hit that eighth midfielder upgrade this week, depending on what he's gonna do with everything else. So it's really interesting. So he's got that in the bank, but then you go onto the second ranked team, they've got zero. It's actually flush on zero. So I
1: mean.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so flush on zero. So quite interesting. The team ranked number three. Has got 8K, so you know Matt at number one is looking for another upgrade there, and you know he could put it, in, you know, a bit of separation on the field, but it's really tightly bunched. So I'll go through that in a minute. Uh, but there, yeah, but the teams ranked number two and three, that they, they could potentially struggle to get that next upgrade. So yeah, cash healthy, and that's. You know, from Matt's point of view as well, he's obviously manage his bank and spend. You know, obviously you want to hit those upgrades really quickly and and, and get that midfield happening as quickly as possible early in the season. But you really got to manage your spend. It's not necessarily hitting the you know the most expensive player out there. It's actually when you spend is that that player can if he can match that score of the higher uh, priced player. You know, potentially you can bank you know twenty or thirty grand over a period of you know ten weeks, and that's where Matt's got to two two hundred sixty four k in the bank as he hits round 10. So quite interesting there. So um, then we go to um, uh, later in the top 25 rank. So in the top 10, only four players have got over, four coaches have got over 100K, which is interesting. But yeah, 83.8K is the average. Thoughts on that, Chip? Yeah,
1: so other than that, it's it's going to be hard to get that eighth Primo and that bona fide, like, 900 grand plus Primo, Mm -hmm. I'm talking. So, you know, there can be a two-step process and wine shows value at the moment. Um, There's a couple of others, but... Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and this is and this is if Matt, Matt will be listening, I know he will be. So um, sit pretty, bud. Yeah. So this is where it gets into the conversation
0: uh, with regards to you know those who can't afford it. You know they're potentially looking down at a lower price range. And that's where you get into the Sandberry situation. I mentioned him on the pod last week, as it, you know, he's right in that midfield, his tackle numbers are strong. And and you know, what's really resonating with me with regards to Matthew Nix, he's he's pretty much coming out and saying, you know, these guys and the coaching staff there as well, not just him, these guys are gonna get a run in the team for two or three weeks. So when you're thinking about Q and Strawn, I'd expect him to be in the team for based on those comments for for another couple of weeks at least. And that's Rolly O'Brien's situation right there. So, you know, that's that's a Berry in the middle, and he's he's actually put on really good pressure, so it's a really good developing year from Sam Berry. so he's in the conversation to trade in if he can't upgrade fully, so that's quite interesting to see the way that that's playing out there, yeah, cash poor is no good at this stage, but really, you know, even if you're cash poor, heading into rounds 10, 11, 12, is that, you know, obviously... Yeah, you know, really thinking about what you want to be sitting at round twelve and who you want obviously on field, but you know quality, you know, doesn't have to be the highest price player. It's just a quality tr- top trade, you know, and that's where you get into the Chad Warner. I see you you, you flicked in his name as a request to talk, and we'll get into him later. Mm-hmm. But that's where you get in. I was looking at Seb Ross. So I go, you know, can we get a throwback? And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about players that under that price range. You know, Dugoi is getting the Santa bounces, but his scores haven't been there. And which is really interesting because, you know, obviously the weather forecast is, is poor in uh, Perth this week, so he would be a sort of a half a target for me, but, you know, obviously you're taking a leap of faith there as well. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think those scores will be coming, especially if it's a wet game there in Perth this week as well. But, uh, yeah, interesting in the way. It doesn't have to be the highest price, but you might be able to hit on a Jackson Hatley who was actually really good last week for Adelaide. So, you know... It was actually probably... His, well, it is his best game for Adelaide since he switched over from GWS. Obviously, missed out all of last year with his injury there as well. But, yeah, that's a sign of big growth from Haitley, and he actually hit the scores uh, quite nicely there as well. But really interesting there. doesn't have to be the highest-priced player, yet.
1: No, it doesn't, and this is where we've got to get... This is exactly, like you said, you've got to get creative um, because of the lack of rooks. So the lack of rooks means the lack of cash at bank and cash generation, effectively, so then we need to go to the next tier. Um, and the next tier really is that probably 750 and under, maybe mm. 700K and under. That's about right. um, yeah, and, and you know, Warner's probably, I was hoping he was going to be an outside chance of Ford status, but I don't think that's going to happen for round 12. But, mm. yeah, four tons on the trot. A pick like that could... You know, Sam Berry's another one um, that has got my attention and got a few people's attention, 103 and 89 in his last two, and 81 before that. Tackles. 13 tackles on the weekend against Brisbane. Um, so, yeah, that's his game. So getting creative, like I mentioned before, is is going to pay off for a few, and it's going to burn a few, too. But we live and bo- die about... We live and die by our trade decisions, don't we? Yeah. Alrighty, so that's not the only
0: research in the top 25. There's one more. So I'm going to say you on this, Jeff. So for the way I can see the top 1,000 uh, as I've researched there as well, we only talk about the top 25, but I've gone through and researched the top 1,000 this week. So interesting, what I'm looking at here is the scoreboard, the current scoreboard and the lay of the land with regards to overall rank. This podcast, again, is about overall rank. So this is what we, our thought process is is going into this podcast. So, obviously, Matt ranked number one. So, uh, 19,680 points. So, if you look at the uh, fifth-ranked team, he's only 32 points behind Matt. Then we look at the ranked team ranked number 10, it's only 86 points. Now, 86 points over, you know, we're only at round nine. That's a that's just not even an issue for anyone to overcome. And then we look at the team ranked number 25, uh, who had eight players... Available in the bench on the weekend, only 160 points behind. So really tightly bunched top 25 there. So let's uh, expand that out to the top 100. It's only 288 points behind rank number one. So you're in that range right there as well. So 288 points behind rank number one. Then we sure. go into team rank number 500, and I pretty much, I reckon it would be about this would be about the cutoff. I reckon that could potentially challenged because obviously when you uh, condense everyone's ownership there's only a few different different points there as well so it has to be a pretty much a strong captain selections you know and, and one or two situations where you're going different to the majority of the field uh, potentially getting off a wholly owned player moving off a very low owned player with a similar type ceiling you know potentially you might have to come off a come across this situation where, you know, obviously stuff happens, you know, an injury goes goes down with a majorly owned player and, you know, the player finishes off with less than ten points in the game and that player that you've got opposite to everyone else, you know, fires off hundred and fifty, then all of a sudden you're really back in the game there for overall rank. So, you know, let's let's go uh, the the five hundredth ranked team that four hundred and ninety two points behind there. So in the ball game still, but, you know, needs a really strong finish to the season. So if you've got a healthy bench in there, hang on because stuff can happen. And obviously that bye period, that's where a lot of teams will make their move. Obviously, you know, teams don't have to be ranked, you know, number one right now. Sorry, Matt, but teams don't have to be ranked number one right now. He probably knows that anyway, is that, you know, you still have to finish this uh, the bye period really strongly and the remainder of the season as well. Now, I'll expand that down to the final point. There's a team ranked number 1,000. is currently 597 points behind. So it's starting to get up there, only a little bit beyond 500. So you can see it's really condensed, uh, you know, just a week-to-week basis. You know, your rank can shift uh, a little bit significantly, I would suggest. So your thoughts on all that, Chip?
1: Yeah, look, I keep an eye on, on who's ranked. And for me, it's, yeah, it's 280-ish points. Uh, to me, that's a drop in the ocean with how much footy's left. Um, What has me concerned though is where I've still got two upgrades to make on field in terms of getting all the brooks off field and I can't do anything this week because of the steel injury. So I'm already on the back foot, um, which is unfortunate. But again, that's a bit of luck in the game and away we go. So I'm really just focused on the buys. Where I land in terms of overall rank after the buy is where you know that's really with the business end of fantasy season, as we say, and, and that's when I'll go heavy on on the point of differences and and that kind of thing. So it's about keeping in touch for all of us, you know, in that range. And but yeah, it's still a long list of people that can win it, in my opinion. So yeah, Maddie Matty, Maddie's probably nervous, and I, I did message him uh, yesterday, and he um. He was worried he was peaked too early, and I said, "No, no, I'll uh I'll gladly swap positions with you." And um he's in a good spot with a healthy bank balance, and um he's just got to do smart moves from here on in.
0: Yeah, had a look at his team today, and I actually reckon it's quite solid. So, and with that 264k in that bank for a potential upgrade, which is your eighth midfield awesome. this week that's actually a really strong position. But let's just move on beyond beyond that, is that your true reflection of the rank comes beyond the buy period because if that's messed up, uh, that actually can just destroy your rank uh, and just in, like, potentially, you know, obviously having a low Destroy the season. Yeah, yeah, but you you can drop a few hundred points really quickly, so, you know, obviously a focus in on the buy period. All right, Jeff, let's move on. So good discussion points there to kick off the podcast. So we are talking AFL fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round 10. This podcast has been recorded on Tuesday night, May 17. And of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL ratings network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Thank you very much. So again, make necessary adjustments, obviously, as news comes to hand. And let's get into the ownership. So this is now looking at all the players and their ownership. So um, they're condensed. The forward line was there. So that's a little bit expanded now. And the midfield starting to expand there as well. So let's get into that. So 20% or higher. So just onto the rucks jet. So Proust and Gorn, top 25, 100% edge. No, No surprises there.
1: Yeah, no, and that should continue. Darcy is going to come into the play, though. And um but that's for the people outside the top twenty five, you know, those that have settled with Bruce and, and Gorn won't change anything in the interim and um, it's about what Darcy can do from here on in.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any change necessary. However however, I would just float with regards to you know, obviously Max Gorn did hurt his knee last week, so and what we did see in that game, not just on the weekend but the weekend Weekend before is uh, Jackson started to take a few more ruck contests, so it actually just might hurt uh, for the next few weeks. Uh, Gorn's average, so he might only be averaging around that hundred, hopefully. So interesting, he's averaged the next few weeks, Jeff.
1: Yeah, uh, watching him closely live at uh, against West Coast, and he just did enough. He um he still put himself in the contest and did what a captain should do, but um. You know, there wasn't any gut running or heaving or anything like that. It was a very methodical and professional performance by the Melbourne Football Club. And obviously that knee was heavily strapped. So,
0: yeah, just yep. something to monitor there as well. Alrighty, so on to the defenders. Jep. so James Cisley, no worries there, 100%. Lockie Whitfield... Now it's 100%, but the scores so this really jumps back into this GWS uh, coaching situation. My only thoughts on this, with regards to ownership with Withfield, is if if that uh, if he scores still producing uh, small outputs or uh, very poor outputs, that ownership is going to move off 100% really quickly, um, especially with that buy structure. Yeah, so you've got to think, you know, GWS in you know coaches who own GWS players, you know, looking for that uh, first round. Buy coverage, that they might move off quickly yeah. if the scores aren't there this week. And Whitfield would be in that zone. So if the scores aren't there, you might want to flip him to someone else, potentially. But let's just see how that plays out. But yeah, uh, there's nothing to do here on Whitfield, even even though if he scores poorly, um, if the ownership is still at 100%, because pretty much you've got to be imagining that most of the top thousand or whatever, whoever's still left in contention, they've all got him. So just thought, thoughts on there, Whitfield, chip.
1: Yeah, I don't think anything will happen this week. Everyone wants to see what the new coach does and the new strategy and if there's anything. But after that, like you said, it's pretty much round 11 or round 12, then there'll be changes made. And those that have an upgraded team fully can make those changes earlier. So it's it's all about getting the books off field first and then those that do that can play with Whitfield and Butters and all those underperformers. Okay, onto Jaden Short, 96%, Jack Crisp,
0: 84%, both being solid this year. Nick Dacos, interesting that Craig McRae's comments pre-game is he was going to start to move forward. Uh, played forward early, but Pies got blown out early, and that sort of changed the chopped and changed throughout the game. So interesting to see how that plays out forward. And once again, Craig McRae's come out and said, we're going to mix and match things up throughout the year. So i just got to wonder if Dacos is that player to be traded out, uh, this week, so a little bit of a drop in ownership, but he's got a really good buy jet. So, um, players, most coaches, may be, may be willing just to hold on to a few more poor scores to get him through to that buy, and then obviously uh, nail off, depends on what his output is. So, obviously, he can score quite uh, highly. So, you know, maybe he goes behind the ball at some stage. So, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, a little bit of a drop in ownership there. Um, sorry, he, his ownership was actually 64%. So a uh, bit of a drop, and it might be even a bigger drop this week. So Jordan Dawson, 44%. George Hewitt, uh, 40% there. So really good, strong outing back in that midfield for Carlton. He was really strong there on the weekend against the Giants. And Dane Zorko, a bit of a spike in ownership. We spoke about him in depth last week, so up to 32%. So thoughts on any one of those, yet?
1: Oh, look, I think they're all pretty um, standard picks at this point, and no surprises and they'll be in the mix for the for weeks to come. I don't expect those numbers to change too dramatically. Okay, on to the midfielders, Lockie Neal 100%. Greg Clark, as I said, you know,
0: that, that eighth midfielder is pretty much all Greg Clark. Only one team in that top 25 didn't field Greg Clark last week. And that team actually had, had had Greg Clark on the bench. So that same team uh, did have uh, two rooks pretty much in the defensive line. So it uh, was a bench for Greg Clark. Um, and two rooks in the defensive line. So, again, it's it's that last player to upgrade there to pretty much sort of pseudo-complete uh, a team. It depends, obviously, you know, what you define as a premium-type player there as well. So, yeah, really interesting, highly owned and wholly required. So, you know, then we look at Yo coming back into that team, potentially. Uh, we've got Chewie into that team there as well, and then gaps in in there into that team there as well so you know does that sort of put pressure on Greg Clark's role which would be quite interesting because we've all relied on his scores um, and he started the game well last week but those scores did flatten out towards the end of that game so interesting to see where that lands with regards to his position in the team if at all that is even a question so hopefully he's solid and he's there and because he'll be mostly fielded by top 25 teams who can't upgrade potentially next uh, this week upcoming, uh, depending on, obviously, even our upgrades. So we go to Andrew Brayshaw. He's at 80%. Callum Mills, 76%. Patrick Cripps, 68%. Tuke Miller, 60%. He'll see a spike of our ownership, potentially, from uh, Jack Steele on to Miller this week. So Clayton Oliver, on 48%. Bailey Smith, 28%. Josh Kelly in there at 20%. So thoughts on any one of those, Jep?
1: Again, I think those numbers, no, they're no real surprises, hey? So... Um, broader spectrum now with the value in Ollie Wines and a couple of these discounted premiums. Um, I still think Josh Kelly's stocks rise with his matchup this week. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I think that's all pretty pretty forthcoming and, and how the averages and numbers have played out. Okay, on to the forward. So Josh Dunkley, 100%, Nick Martin,
0: 100%. Now, interesting with his while well, he had a poor output on the weekend, but watching him specifically, as I did on the weekend is that, you know, SCG, bit of a smaller top ground there. Not by much, but it is smaller. And, you know, the the Bombers coming up the wing, and actually Essen were quite poor last week. Everyone pretty much knows that. But coming up on the wing as the ball transition from defence to forward line is that Martin was on the outside, and he was being overlooked. I reckon I can count at least five times he was overlooked for, you know, a, a quick chip over the top of the mark to a plus six. So, you know, put them, you know, I've seen at least five. So, you know, that's an extra, you know, 30 points right there. So, you know... Add them back into his game. That's um, pretty much close to 100 points there. So I wouldn't, I don't have any concerns whatsoever with Nick Martin. It's just that he was overlooked just a touch there at the SCG. So no concerns there for me whatsoever. Obviously 100% owed. So and we got a few requests to talk about him. So you know people might be looking to get off him. I don't have any concerns whatsoever at this stage. So let's see how that plays out for this week. Real Brody. So Nat Fife is now on the radar to return in a few weeks. So just keep an eye on there. Uh, for that as well. But uh, he's been fantastic this year. He's in there extracting the ball, and I think he's been excellent. And he plays right into the hands of the Justin longmuir top game. Get it out, give it out to Brayshaw, and off they go. So then we go to Zach Butters. Scores haven't been quite there. They were good on the weekend against North Melbourne, though, however. So 84%. Darcy Cameron's been good again and the Ruck for collingwood No issues there. He's, his role is solid for quite a few weeks ahead. Stephen Keelia, We've talked about JWS enough, so 60% there. Luke Parker, 40%. Uh, scored okay again on the weekend, so his centre bounce numbers actually have been quite strong recently. So we'll see how they play out for the remainder of the year, every game in, in and out, what those centre bounce numbers are. So again, 40%. Conrosy 36%. Uh, quite a good score last week. Opposition was North Melbourne. Plays Geelong this week at GM, GM HBA Stadium. We'll see how those scores go. Um, then we go to Isaac Kenny, 32%, and bit of a spike there for Mitch Duncan, 32%. So I oh, just mid 80s there for Duncan last week, and Geelong didn't hold on to that game. I thought that game would be quite difficult for the Cats against the Saints, because the Saints are actually quite a good team. So, you know, it wasn't a chip mark game from Geelong, and I did post an article on aflratings.com.au last week to say, you know, Chris Scott pretty much said, you know, to think that we were a chip mark game would be uh, an incorrect assumption. So. Uh, quite interesting there for Duncan did see a little bit of ownership there so thoughts on any
1: one of those it's a broader spectrum now isn't it for the Fords? so much broader than what we saw three weeks ago and then you're getting more variances in rank climbs and the like so yeah good for the game okay who are your top three targets for round 10 assuming you don't own any so number one's Callum Mills you know he just keeps getting done and I think the majority of steel owners will just go to Callum Mills and call it a day um, number two is Ollie Wines. Really like his price. I think he shows massive value as a discounted premium, um, and I'm thinking about it highly. If he didn't have the round 12 buy, it'd probably be automatic. And last one's Josh Kelly. I'm um, really uh, sorry, really impressed by his performance last week, and like I said, I think he's going to turn a corner and the knee coach is going to do him a lot of favours. So, yeah, they'll be my three. So, Toot Miller for me, so I've spoken about the Gold Coast uh, game plan,
0: so they want to play a four-and-a-half type game, and, you know, Miller, again, was strong in the weekend, with game conditions, suited him really well. But you look at Gold Coast's draw to finish off the season, so if he can hit, you know, he can hit monster ceiling games, so you only need him to hit, you know, three or four, f- five of those to finish off the year, and he could post potentially a 120 average quite easily, so... Um, I did say I wanted to buy in potentially around 800k, it's not going to happen, it's, it's a higher 800s or thereabouts at the moment, so he'd be a target for me there as well, Rory Led is one there for me as well, so um, he just gets it done every week, uh, ceiling gain's pretty good, uh, strong scoring output, pretty much never gets shut down from opposi- opposition players, um, so for me, really strong target there, and uh, yeah, I think uh, centre bounce is going to be quite strong. Don't think there's going to be an issue for the remainder of the year, um, and low ownership there as well is a bit of a benefit there. And Dane Zorko spoke about him last week with regards to you know his potential role. I did post there on my Twitter account there as well that you know close to quarter time Zorko looked. I actually looked specifically. Looked, I go hey how's he going? He was on zero. And then he finishes up with, you know, well over 100 points. So uh, an amazing turnaround there as well. And he was actually fantastic through that midfield. So, again, you mentioned last week he's got his fitness up. I do agree. So there's no real issues there as well. Um, there's no limited, pretty much limited game time there as well. So I still think it's okay. He's definitely a target for me this week. Um if my trades hadn't blown up with regards to the injury reports coming out today, uh, he I was trading him in. So I don't think I can get him now based on where my trades are going to go. But, yeah, he was going to be a target for me. All right, Jeff, on to the next one. So notable low break-evens uh, in uh, available. So Greg Clark, most people got him. So still at minus 20. Luke Cleary. So it's a little, a little bit thin here with Cleary. Bulldogs' injury list is quite extensive. So that means, you know, there's going to be players coming to... Coming back into that team over the next um, two to three weeks, even this week as well, so how how you know invested is beverage into Cleary playing that team? I thought he was really good early, but I think he posted close to a zero in that last quarter. So you know if he's posting a zero in that last quarter, what happened? You know did he run out of gas? And that sort of raises a question, those type of questions with me. Uh, I'm not saying that was the case, just you know he just it was pretty much overlooked when the Bulldogs were chipping it around in that last quarter, and that was the time for him to get involved in that game. You know potentially he could rack up another thirty points in that game, but he was pretty much overlooked by all the Bulldogs. Bulldogs defenders. So that really sort of leans into me that, you know, he pretty much may not be the preferred option back there as well, chipping that ball around, which could have hurt his scores. Um, and they play at Ballarat this week as well, so interesting to see if he does play what his scoring output would be. But, yeah, he's at minus two. Buku Kama, so he was actually really good for the Bulldogs. Played forward, hit the scoreboard as well, and they actually look quite dy- dynamic. Barney did play a forward role. So, you know, the Gold Coast weren't a pushover last week, and, and I've mentioned to you before that the Gold Coast are actually building quite nicely. So, um, you know, it's, it's not really going to be an entry, uh, easy matchup for him at Ballarat this week against Gold Coast, who actually got a pretty strong defence and been a little, little bit resilient this year um, in defence. And it was uh, on case where they still gave up a stack of inside 50s last week against Fremantle, but they were really good. They, they did hold up. But yeah, and what's his job security there? But his job, Josh Bruce is on the radar to come back in a few weeks there as well. So then Cooper Hamilton, but he's getting up there in price. So Buku Kamas was at minus one. Cooper Hamilton getting up there in price. He's at one. Jake Toligo, thin there, but he's at not bad price to 11K, and, but he's at 13 it's not really a, a, a smash player there with regards to his break-even and his role and his security within that team. And Sam Berry there at 521K. So the investment is actually quite healthy still. And break-even at 19. If, he, if he's going to pump up these 80s and 90s and, you know, potentially 100s over the next couple of weeks, he has to be almost highly considered, Jep. So
1: thoughts on any one of those. Yeah, slim pickings, ultimately. And then, you know, I've, I like Cooper Hamilton, but, again, round to bias. So we can't really do it. Karmas. Um, mm-hmm. Great player, um, but not in the fantasy sense, and he's yeah, he's going to struggle at Windy Ballarat with uh, Collins and and uh, other tall defenders up his backside. So Cleary's the one that looked great to me, but he's keep you know they got um, Crozier out of the side, and, and there's a few that like you mentioned to come back in. So Saligo and Barry are probably the two because um, you know Adelaide and, and Nix has had a Pretty stern, <laughs> stern words of the playing group via selection and dropping Crouch and the like. So we, well, I always like players picking a player when they force their perform their performances in the sample or the reserves have dictated that they have come back to the seniors. I don't like when a player comes in just through injury replacement. Um, so I, look, I'm probably going to take a punt on Saligo personally this week. Um, But it could backfire hugely, couldn't
0: it? Yeah, or obviously if there's no other options present themselves this week, we're going to have to be choosing pretty much amongst those and maybe a couple others there as well. But let's see how the week plays out with regards to players coming in. Yeah, it's quite thin at the moment. And just on Sam Berry there is that Matthew Nix was quite positive in his post-game presser on Berry and uh, his role in the team. Uh, But he did mention that he wanted to find a little bit of balance with his game. So, you know, does that that potentially mean less tackles or does that potentially mean the same amount of tackles and more disposals? So hopefully it's a ladder. Um, That would be outstanding. But, yeah, just positive comments from uh, Nix after the game on Sam Berry. Um, yeah, you know, that might we might have to start to think a little bit different there. You know, with you know looking at thin rookies, to a little bit of a different approach heading into the buy period. So, uh, for me, I'm just at the moment it's Cleary, but I'm I'm hoping to get somewhere else uh, and go in a different direction. But yeah, um, I, the more I talk think about Barry and his break even, I think he's going to be. Um, He might even be a consideration for me now. But anyway, we'll see how that plays out. Already notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a 130-plus break-even jet. So Zach Merritt right on the radar there as well, especially post-buy, 158K. He's going to drop a stack in salary, you'd imagine. Aaron Hall there. So I'll put him in this discussion because he's on the radar upcoming. And, you know, Kangaroos are giving up these inside 50s and being quite poor recently as well. And hopefully he's fit this time coming back into the team. And, you know, that, this might be a post-buy or just pre-buy or whatever. And, you know, obviously we're seeing his scoring output and he's got a high ceiling. So you put him on, well and truly on your radar to finish off the season uh, because no ownership, obviously, at this stage. So put him well and truly on the radar. Uh, Travis Boat, so uh, minimal centre bounces last week. His score's actually been quite good up until last week. So soft matchup, Port our were well in front. There was no real need to get, for both to get involved there, but low scoring output, which is a, quite a concern. Um, but on Travis boat, you know, Port Adelaide have got to push really hard to finish off their season to make finals. So obviously 0-5 start now 4-5. Uh, they'll be all in uh, to finish off the season, but yeah interesting that uh, it was, wasn't really required last week. Low score, 153 break-even. Max score, 148. So if his score's only going to be around about that 100 mark with regards to conserving his knee and and whatever coming uh, throughout the next few weeks, there you know, he's going to drop a stack in salary, but everyone's got him, so it's no real big concern at this stage. Ben Key's no ownership there, pretty much uh, for those high ranked teams, 140. So maybe a drop in salary there, but he can hit that. Tom Mitchell back into the 10 this week. Interesting at Sam Mitchell's um, discussion on Footy Classified last night is that you know it was a it was a combination of two things for Sam Mitchell. It was he was ill early in the week. Um, and then he missed a session apparently, and you know, and then Sam Mitchell, coach, he came in and said uh, to Tom when he came back, uh, let's just take a circuit breaker and, and you know manage it for the week, which was quite interesting because um, you know he he was available, but you know obviously he was ill for a couple of days and and he just he, all of a sudden he mentioned circuit breaker. So, uh, but then he did mention he's back in the team this week and he'll be in the center. So what does that mean? Does that mean is that in the center for the remainder of the year and he's back to usual? Keep that on your radar. You know, Sam Mitchell, the coach, uh, he's been messing around with that team and roles there as well, so pretty much one I would still avoid for at least the medium term there for Tom Mitchell. Uh, Josh Dunkley, 136K, but he can hit that there as well. And Andrew Brashel, 132K, low score last week, obviously wet conditions. Didn't really get the scoring rate going, but 132. Uh, thoughts on any one of those, Chip?
1: Yeah, Dunkley's still obviously in most teams and, and there's no panic stations whether you own any one of these teams, it's who you can target later. So I think there's a few without Brayshaw still and they will look to him in a week or two, but he's got a really decent matchup against Collingwood if the weather stays dry. So, yeah, um, Aaron Hall's another interesting one. This is where these point of differences come yep. from, um, where you jump on probably earlier than you you might normally and get that, uh, get that head start. He's walking 110 points, isn't he? Mm, It's quite appealing, buddy. Um,
0: Round 14 by two. Interesting. Alrighty, so next we get on to Jep. So, notable strong scoring output with a 115 plus average last three rounds. So, I'll just run through these quickly. So, Lockie Neal 123. Uh, We've got Christian Petrarca 123. Rory Lee 121. Callum Mills 121. Toot Miller 120. Josh Kelly 119. Last three. Uh, Tom Stewart there at 119, obviously had that big score in there as well. Uh, Dane Zorko there at 116, um, and Jack Crisp there at 115, solid season. Thoughts on any one of those, Chip?
1: Yeah, the, all all having a great purple patch at the minute, especially Zorko. Um, I've mentioned Kelly, Tookmiller does what Miller does. Uh, Laird's another one we probably haven't touched on a lot where... Gee whiz, he um, just racks it up, doesn't he? So he's a really appealing pick as a primo midfielder with the round 13 bye. Okay,
0: on to a few key players for the listeners. Time to play like or dislike uh, to finish off the podcast yep. So let's get into these. We're going to do a 41 pack to finish off. Uh, like we'll or dislike and we'll stop on a few. All right. so Chad Warner, I do like.
1: Yeah, I like as well. So th- this was one I obviously brought up and he's just turned up for, in the last four games. So Hawthorne, Brisbane, Gold Coast and Essendon were his opponents. His time on ground's around 80%. He's getting the CBAs and he's ticking those boxes as a, as one of those next tier swans that coming through the midfield. So I feel like that role will continue. He obviously doesn't have a high ceiling, but what I was sort of got excited about was his potential forward status, which I really don't think is going to happen. Um, but, yeah, 721, bit of value there, definitely a point of difference. Um, and he hits all step lines. He tackles well, he marks it well, uh, and he can do it, get it done. So I, I like it a lot. Nick Bakeoff, so I'm starting to get off fully like into
0: sitting on the fence and still like but maybe flicking over to dislike. So pretty much the, the question is, is it time to trade out? I think it's getting close to it.
1: Well, we talked about cash generation before, and it's a dislike for me because now he's going to bleed cash. And, look, you can hold him through the buy rounds, and that's probably the smartest move, but you might lose 50K here, if not more. So, especially if that forward role comes to fruition this week with Pendleby back. So, just be wary of that. If your buy structure and your team is looking okay, um, I'd actually offload him. Jake Saligo, I don't like this pick. I actually like it. I think um, although Nick's, you know, he came into the team and he was sub and all the rest of it, I think what Nick's message is to the side is if you don't tackle and put pressure on the opposition, you're not in our best 22. Um, That's why Crouch is in the sample um, and guys like Barry and Saligo are keeping him out, so it's a big like for me. I think he's one. He's going to potentially be a one that's a high-risk savior throughout by rounds. Hopefully so.
0: On to Luke, yeah. onto Luke, onto Luke, <laughs> Luke Cleary, um, out of all of our options, I'm going to have to sit on the... the it's right on the fence, but 51% likely.
1: Yeah, look, I like him as a player. It's just job security, isn't it? So well, short answer is uh, we don't know. I feel like it's a big risk trading in this week. So I'm going to say dislike
0: for this week. Yeah, Buku Kamus again, forward type role. Uh, was good last week. Uh, hit the scoreboard there as well. Uh, maybe we can get a couple of weeks juice out of him, but players to come back into the team. So on those reasons, I'm going to say dislike.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say dislike as well.
0: Nick Martin, again, no issues for me. Still like.
1: Yeah, I still like him as well. I wouldn't trade him out.
0: Sam Berry, like for me. Yeah, big like for me too. Jake Lloyd now. He's getting down at a decent price range here for Jake Lloyd. So I'm kind of liking the price range here for Jake Lloyd, yep.
1: Uh, no, it's dislike for me. He's getting to that price range because his role is completely different. So, dislike. Stephen Kinelio Lockie Whitfield.
0: Tom Green. Tim Taranto. I'm going to put in a bunch here. It's a wait and see. Let, yep. Uh, yep. So, the last four for Tom Green has actually been a little bit of concern. 843 from these last four, but... Those four, it's a wait and see, especially after this week. Hopefully the rain holds off and GWS can just get to work and just, you know, let's get back to a Whitfield 180-type game. So, you know, just wait and see how they go on all those, Jep, for me.
1: That's how I would play it, exactly. Calib's wrong. You know,
0: five's coming back into that team. What does that do to the midfield, Mick? So something's going to happen. I don't think Strong is moving out anytime soon. But, you know, all we, all we need is a few less centre-bouncers here, you know, just going to tag. You know, that was his role last year, he was tagging some players, so volatile scoring. So, look, his, be- his last couple of weeks have been really solid. So, from that point of view, do like, but I just think, you know, a few things are going to change in that free on midfield. So, from that point of view, I'm going to say dislike here.
1: Uh, yeah, dislike as well. It's, when Fife comes back, I just we just don't know how it's going to work. Connor Broderick, so it can play a lockdown role at times, a big dislike here. Uh, yeah, agreed. Dislike.
0: Mitch Duncan. So, um, target a little bit last week. You know, and you spoke before on this podcast, is that, you know, the, the players under seven fifty k price ranges, everyone's starting to look at now, especially with if you're thin in the bank and thin yep. for upgrades there as well. And he's right still in that range. So, it's really going to be interesting, you know, if he does see a target spike for those who can't afford any type of further upgrades. So, so, for me, you know... The scores can be there. The top game plan's not really there from compared to what it's been previously. Um, I, I don't know. I can't decide with anyone because he's right in my range now. Based on my trades, who I'm going to target, and if I have to fall on Duncan, I'm going to be I'm going to be spitting chips. So I'm trying to avoid Duncan. So maybe
1: that just tells you what my answer is. I'm I'm disliking. Yeah, I'm disliked too. I, I, if he blows the calf, you know we would be spitting chips. So I just can't take any. Risks this close to the buy with an older player like Mitch Duncan. That'd be quite interesting if I have to go there. But no, I actually, I won't be happy if I have to end up on him.
0: Um, but then the, there's one player I look down a little bit further. It's Taran Thomas. So he's a five thirty four, and a few others said, well, he can be at that price range. That's for sure, Jeff. But you know, he he starts forward last week, which is quite interesting because Jai Sim- Simpkin was out of that team. My thought process was when Simpkin was named out, I thought, well, Thomas could actually be in for a pretty big score here. But he didn't really play heavy minutes through that midfield. So maybe his fitness is still a little bit of a concern there. So, you know, there's mids to come in back into that team there as well. So, you know, the scores might not be there compared to what we have seen previously last year. I do like the price, though. So he'll be a consideration for me. So just a mini lucky here. Not really big, but just mini kept.
1: Uh No, it's still a dislike for me for now. Um, I want to see the role change, and then I'll jump on. Ollie Wine's big lock here. Uh, yeah, love it.
0: Connor West now, obviously uh, pretty good score in the weekend. He was actually quite good for your team, the West Coast, Jep. But uh, yeah, mids to come back into that team. Some players like Clark and West potentially could get impacted. So uh, from that point of view, players coming back into the team for West Coast uh, and especially into that midfield role uh, sort of impacts West and potentially Clark there as well. So dislike here for me for that. Yeah, no, dislike for me as well. Um, Marcus Bontempelli, so interesting comments from Beveridge, you know, I think it was post-game press or one of these other press conferences I listened to throughout the weekend or whatever, is that he said that, you know, some of these players are playing uh, partnership roles playing midfield forward, and he's, he's putting him into pairs, so you know, they're actually splitting roles with each other, so Bontempelli's in that range, he's splitting role, you know, Dunkley's in that range there as well, uh, and they're doing uh, Bailey Smith is in one of those players in a pairing, you know, he's just flipping and they're just alternating who's going forward, who's playing midfield, and they're alternating with each other. So if you know he's not pure midfield as much as what I like to see at 801k, still a little bit pricey there based on you know he's not a pure midfield role. Um, we'll see time forward. So dislike there for me.
1: It's interesting. Um, I watched Bailey Smith in his post game interview on, from his game, and he actually said he pairs up with Trelaw. Mm. And it's just on whoever's feeling good or whoever's on fire and normally gets mm. more CBAs and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, really interested in that because even, like, you and I probably shocked as, as, like, many, where Lib are playing more forward than, it, than um, ever before. So, yeah, they've all been paired up. I don't think McRae, Jack is the only one that hasn't. So... He's that pure mid-roll still. Very interesting how he's playing at um, Bevo.
0: Yeah, so the, the one on Libba where that was forward early in the year is that he was actually quite ill. Um, so uh, he didn't he had a really interrupted pre-season, late in the pre-season. I can't even remember if he played in that pre-season um, community series game. I can't, I can't recall just off the top of my head, but I can remember that the news filtering through to me um, that he was actually quite ill. He was missing out on training and... You know, his early parts of the season was just the you know, Dane Zorko situation just get your fitness within games. So, um, obviously, his increase in center bounces and midfield usage over the last few weeks, but that that's sort of in relation with regards to his fitness. So, his forward usage wasn't based. Um, on on a particular role it was actually based out of necessity, so uh, that's where Liber comes into it. But yeah, the pairings of other mids in there, so interesting, yeah. You know, and listening to Damien Hardwick there as well is that you know so one specific question to his press conference today was that you know uh, what sort of role does Martin play and and, and come back and he pretty much said well it's actually up to him. We give him some parameters. And we pretty much say, you just work within the, the the framework of these parameters, and you just go ahead and do what you need to do. He get he has free range, and I, I reckon Bevo has given free range to these players, kind of like what you said with Bailey Smith. You know, who's got the hot hand? Who's forward? Who's got the good mismatch? Who's got the speed? Who's got the, the tall height? The height mismatch, so they he just leaves it up to them. These are the these are the guidelines. You got you guys go and decide on ground. Because don't forget we don't have runners on, on the field anymore. So there's little changes coaches can uh, make throughout a quarter. So interesting their comments on Luke Beveridge and the midfielders and the pairings there as well. So let's get on to the next one there, Jep. So Jade Gresham, so Jack Steele out. I think Gresham gets gets to see his midfield minutes after uh, a few more weeks, which is actually quite good, and he, he's shown that he can score. Uh, low tackle rate there as well. But I think his scores could be okay uh, if you want to go down that direction. But he's up there in price a little bit there as well. So it's okay, I think. Um, but, yeah, definitely a consideration. Just a mini-like here for me now with regards to Jack Steele being out, Gresham's ability to, to score through in that midfield edge.
1: Yeah, it's a like for me too, buddy. You can't ignore what's going to happen to his CBAs with Steele out. And we saw that um, with other injuries at St Kilda. Before the personnel came back, so yeah, big luck.
0: Yeah, Brad Crouch, same situation there. Uh, potentially, uh, you know, he's the the in that you know midfield with regards to my f- from a fantasy perspective. Um, but yeah, and I'm just gonna I'll jump ahead here a little bit. I'll, I'll bring Seb Ross into that conversation. So just throw him into the mix there as well. So we've seen it previously from Ross, but yeah, it's almost with Ross, it's almost a leap of faith. So uh, Crouch, I do like uh, Seb Ross. I do like, but, you know, it's going to be have to be pretty much a leap of faith that, you know, he can get the scores done with, you know, pretty much, you know, it hasn't been the case. But, you know, he's been pretty good the last few weeks throughout that midfield. So, you know, if you're going to add any weight to his, his security in that midfield, I think it actually has to be pretty strong. Now, it's about actually hitting the fantasy scoreboard now, and we've seen it previously. I kind of still like the pick, chip. So thoughts on uh, Crouch and then Sevros?
1: Yeah, so Crouch I really like. Uh, Sevros not so much. No, I dislike
0: Okay, the next one here, we go to Josh Kelly. Like for me. Yeah, or love. Uh, Dustin Martin, uh, when Damien Harwood comes out, pretty much says today that, you know, he was a bit sore after his first couple of games back or first game back or whatever it was. Uh, It's pretty much a straight line through, Dusty, for me.
1: Yeah, a uh, dislike.
0: Alex Willardin. So Western Australia players, uh, no-go zone for me. However, I'm going to go into a situation here and just mention West Coast how the season is going, which obviously has been quite poor but they are giving staggering uh, numbers of inside 50s against. It's it's worse than what North Melbourne was last year. So therefore, if you're looking at ranges... Uh opportunities uh, that Witherden can see coming out of D50, they have to be high. we seen Aaron Hall last year with regards to, you know, Kangaroos conceding heaps of inside 50s, and obviously you can rack up the numbers from a fantasy perspective anyway. But, you know, West Coast are in a worse situation than what Kangaroos were last year. So, you know, Witherden is going to get a quite a big look. Or, you know, potentially he's going to average 100, 100 to 110 if he maintains his spot in that team. And West Coast keep considering is inside 50s at the same rate so for me, from that point of view, it's a big like. So I uh, might actually bend on this one and, and target with it at some stage, Chip.
1: Uh, no, for me, it's a dislike. I um, He's not the player. He's not that run-and-carry type player that um, Aaron Hall is, and that affects his scoring potential. Although I do agree with you that he's pretty safe from a 90-plus onwards from here on in. It's just still a dislike for me.
0: Yeah, I don't need him to run and carry. All I need to to see him is West Coast conceding <coughs> heaps of inside 50s um, and then coming from the kick-out that he's the first player targeted on a lot of occasions, so that's where he gets his plus sixes, so I don't care if he runs, as long as he stands in the same spot and he's the uh, the exit player coming out of a kick-in, that's all I need, he gets a plus sixes all day for me, so big like. So Jed Anderson, you know, Kangaroo is in a situation where they're still re- still rebuilding, um, so obviously no pre-season whatsoever. Preseason whatsoever, so Uh, From that point of view, dislike, and, you know, obviously things could mix and match and change throughout the remainder of the year in that Kangaroos midfield, as what David Noble has suggested there as well. So big dislike here for
1: me. Yeah, dislike for me as well, buddy.
0: Uh, Jackson Hately, bit of a leap of faith on this one. He was really good last week, but we haven't seen it, obviously, over a consistent period of time. So leap of faith here. Uh, I'm going to sit on side of dislike, though. Yeah,
1: dislike for me as well. Rory Lead, big like. Uh, yeah, love the lead pick. I think he um, he's shown in the past that he's got the ceiling and his form of late has been amazing, so you can't not like it. Tuk Miller, big like for me. Yeah, big like for me too.
0: Zach Barthas, let's see how he goes against Shillong this week. Pretty much a true test of what his scoring output can be. Centre has actually been there. Let's see what his scoring output can be against Shillong. So i wait and see. He's still a little bit of a like here for me.
1: Yeah, uh, look... Depending on the timing of the trade, I, I wouldn't lose sleep trading him. But um, you, if you've got complete a completed team, then, yeah, you trade him. But I, I'm going to say dislike for Butters. I, I've been really um, upset with his performances. He's had the role, and it's just almost – it's always almost. You know, he's never gone the full hog except for one game this season. You know, there's been issues every game. Um, and against North Melbourne at the end, he really just – it was a bit of a free-for-all, and he could have got to a ton, but he didn't have the thirst, so dislike him.
0: Okay, Adam Treloar, so a little ownership there, so a bit of a unique here. On that point of view, I don't mind it. So um, obviously, you know, obviously against Collingwood last week, he just raked him up. Uh, he, he's a revenge narrative type game, so um, I don't mind it. Lower ownership, I'm going to say a bit of a like here.
1: Uh, yeah, I like it as well. Callum
0: Mills, obviously a big like here for me.
1: Yeah, um, there's not much not to
0: like. Andrew Brashwell still like for me.
1: Yep, he's going to be a top eight mid-like.
0: And Darcy Cameron, number one Ruckville for Collingwood, still a big like here for me.
1: Yep, uh, definitely a like for Cameron. He's been great.
0: Dane Zorko. So I don't think I can target him, unfortunately, this week. Do like it. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to say like here.
1: Oh, you've got to like it. Uh, he's, again, a player that's proven the ceiling, and Brisbane are up in about... Isaac Heaney, I'm going to hold on here for a little bit of a like still. Yeah, he's been disappointing since I brought him in a couple of weeks back. I thought he'd absolutely dominate against Essendon and not to be. So I'm going to have to say dislike. It's not... Uh, we're not seeing the CBAs
0: anymore for Meaney. Interesting one here, Luke McDonald. So this is one where I get in with regards to Noble saying uh, one thing and actually eventually coming out and doing something different. You know, things changing obviously, throughout the week with regards to the selection. So he says midweek last week, this is before round nine, is that you know, McDonald's going to go and play half-back, which is quite interesting. I thought, well, there's an opportunity there. Obviously, we know Aaron Hall's on the out to return at some stage, but the short-term hit, potentially, if McDonald will play a half-back, see what he scores, and then he plays on the wing. So uh, Noble pretty much acknowledged that as well. So we wanted to target in the wing. So... Uh, in one press conference, Noble comes out and says we want him to play half back. Two days later, he says, oh, we actually wanted him to play and win. So who knows? Who knows uh, whether, you know, Simpkins' situation changed a little bit there or, or how that played out. So, um, yeah, interesting things do change at North Melbourne quite quickly. So McDonald, dislike for me.
1: Uh, yeah, just like
0: for me too, buddy. Uh Dyson Happel, uh half back role, so dislike for me, I don't think the scores are gonna be high ceiling and you know, if, potentially if we're gonna get Hall and uh in the upcoming period of time, uh, there's one I would be potentially targeting voluntarily over a player like Dyson Happel there.
1: Yeah, just like for
0: me as well, but uh, Travis spoke, so, you know, obviously low score last week, so that's a bit of a concern, but I think Port Adelaide will push the remainder of the season. I do like it, and if he's going to drop some salary, I do like it in a few weeks too, probably beyond the bar period. But, you know, he's getting up there in age. But, you know, Port are chasing that season down, so they're actually all in to make finals, Chip. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out.
1: Uh, yeah, dislike for me. Um, I just can't see... You know, a consistent effort from, from Bokeh, as much as a worry he is, we need consistent tons week to week, and he just looks either tired or playing with an injury to me, and they're managing his role and his load.
0: Okay, uh, on to, we did Seb Ross, so we'll jump that one. So on a Jordan Goey, so a leap of faith here again as well, uh, dropping some significant cash, obviously in the range under, as what you said, under 750k. People are starting to look at. Centre bounce is actually quite, they are being quite healthy uh, but he was ill a couple of weeks ago so just got to take that consider- consideration of how much that impacted him and his level of fitness there as well. Uh, wet game, Fremantle versus Collingwood this week potentially in Perth so I wouldn't be targeting him this week based on those weather conditions. Obviously that weather can update my change throughout the week so from that point of view dislike it's just a, still a wait and see here on DGO Egypt.
1: Yeah, dislike from me as well. Look, the the role's there. He's just got to get his confidence up. Um, and it, again, maybe it's a little bit of fitness. And you can, how often do we hear when you're off of like five, two percent, whatever it is, that slight bit that you're off that affects your whole game? So, yeah, let's wait and see what he can um, do um, in terms of performances for the next couple and, and reassess. Yeah, that's
0: not again for the listeners out there. It's not what don't expect what he did last year, because Collingwood were just hanging onto that ball uh, and just take, going around and just plus sixes everywhere. And that was from anywhere from Howe to Dugowie to Taylor Adams. And obviously everyone's seen Taylor Adams score start to struggle in there as well. Collingwood will change their game plan. They're trying to be a forward half Richmond type Type of team, and we've known in the past that well, Richmond type teams aren't really fantasy relevant. So, you know, that's just not for now for De and and Collingwood midfielders as well. That's just not this year. That's 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 under Craig McRae. So, they've gone from a very relevant fantasy team to not so much there as well. All right, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So let's get on to the last player there. So Daniel Rioli. Um, yeah, I'd pretty much want to pay up to a, a premium type scoring, uh, defender rather than pay for Rioli at what his price tag is. Yep. So just like. Yeah.
1: Him. I agree, but dislike at
0: this time of the year. Final thoughts ahead of round ten. Uh,
1: yeah, keep trading, uh, trading well in terms of upgrades, downgrades, upgrades. Traditional. Let's see what rooks are available. And just be careful with your rook selection. It's close, so like, so close to the buy rounds. Um, the players that you bring in now, you're obviously bringing in for the next five weeks. So, got to be playing. Got to be confident in their role and their job security.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly uh, my two words there. Job security. Uh, obviously, if there's anyone announced for a debut this week or coming back in at a low salary range, you want to be pretty certain of their, you know, next three to four to five week range playing jet. So, uh, there's one week, two week type player scenarios for us are just not, they're actually going to hurt us in the end. So, uh, that's where we sort of might want to start to look at, you know, alternative arrangements throughout this buy period, you know, to get some sort of type of certainty for those players that we need to put the scores out there, Jeff.
1: Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, it's just so critical. We we can't be... Effectively, you're burning trades if, if that happens. And, look, I'm waiting for team selection. Keep an eye out for my tweets. I'll do the best I can in terms of predictions and assessment on, on the best value players and rooks and the like. Um, but just don't lose sight of how important it is and how critical it is at this time of year. Uh, there might not actually be a rook to go to This week. So, what's your backup plan with that? And maybe have a plan. Now, maybe that's where a Butters gets offloaded. And and that's an option for me. I I still don't have Darcy Cameron. So, if a Rook doesn't present itself that I'm comfortable in, it might be a Butters to a Darcy Cameron um, for for my team personally. So, have that backup plan. Uh, I do have faith in Saligo at at this minute. Um, But yeah, slim pickings. All right, everyone, good luck for this week. And we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Thanks, guys.